Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. we got a different camera angle today because we've got a guest in studio. We're going to have a really interesting conversation uh, in the heart of the radio show, too. If you're watching live on Facebook, share this post right now so we can get some more attention on it, get some more eyes on it, like it, send it to your friends, email it out, whatever you want to do. If you're watching on YouTube, click that little subscribe button, all right, so you can get updates from us. Next time when we go live, you'll know right away, and you can stay updated with our work because we're uh, really on a weekly basis putting new video, new content up to let people know what's going on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. And so, look, when it comes to issues of faith, family, and freedom, if it's in the courts, the legislature, or the media, we're going to be talking about it here at Texas Values, particularly as it relates to the state of Texas. But sometimes we'll talk about issues in other parts of the country because they impact Texas or vice versa. And so we're going to have a real hearty discussion in a timely discussion about issues related to parental rights, about local government and transparency, about issues of sex education. There might be some content that's a little sensitive for those younger ears and maybe eyes, if you will. So be mindful of that as we come up. But we're going to hit some really important issues. There were some big updates this week from our state government as it relates to churches. Our attorney general letting some local governments know they went too far and they put up some restrictions that were not lawful as it relates to churches and churches reopening. We're going to get into some of that discussion later, but I just want to make sure everyone knows from the beginning. uh, The state government is not requiring churches to be closed. It is not requiring churches to only have parking lot or drive-through services. You know, those were recommendations, if you will, from several weeks ago where they were really strongly requiring that or or recommending that, and those were the guidelines. Um, That's gone, okay? They've made it very clear churches can be open. As a matter of fact, I was in a very large church in Houston last week, Houston's First Baptist, uh, for unfortunate circumstances, a police officer that lost his life, but a wonderful ceremony there in the main sanctuary, Houston Houston's First Baptist. So, but we're going to talk about that in a little bit minute, but I want to get into the heart of our discussion today because we got a great guest in the studio. You know, if you have followed the work of Texas Values over the past two months, for the past year, if not two years, you've heard us talk quite often about the issues of sex education. And I always got to remember to kind of turn my volume down a little bit. There's something about being on a radio program. I feel like, you know, I've got to add a little bit more to it, but, uh, but every now and then I'll get feedback sometimes from my family who now they hear, because I was doing some of these from the from the house for a little while. We're back now in the studio. They're like, Dad, you know, we can hear you throughout almost the whole house. And so, but anyway, nonetheless, as long as you can hear me, our audio is good. I'll turn it down a little bit. But that's just part of my enthusiasm, too, for some of the work and the importance. But the Austin ISD sex education issue has been a big deal that we've worked on for close to two years because of the radical nature of it, about how really aggressive it is in the attack on our values religious liberty, parental rights, and really the nature of how Austin ISD went about it, the secrecy that was involved, and then the different steps they did to really try to, at least uh, in some ways, think that they could evade state law. So it's had quite a history. But this week, well, actually it was last week, uh, on a Friday morning, I think, we got the email from Austin ISD saying they were canceling sex education for this school year. And we had sent a request earlier in the week asking them, 
really telling them we recommended they not teach it because of all the struggles and all the adjustments that people have had to make with teaching at home and all the stress on parents and kids and, and school teachers and so on. Just teach core subjects. And so we got an email the next day. Turns out Austin and ISD um, has made that decision because they typically teach sex education in May, or that's when it was scheduled for this year. But we're going to talk about that issue because someone that's been a big part of that effort and really a big part of getting to the point where Austin and ISD canceled sex education is Monica Klein. And she's here in the studio with us. She's going to be our guest today. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Well, I'll tell people a little bit about you. You are, are a former former title. Title IX. I'm having trouble with that word former lately. I don't know what it is. A former Title X, excuse me, family planning training manager and volunteer educator for Planned Parenthood. Let me stress, former trainer and uh, volunteer educator for Planned Parenthood. She's had a career working on issues related to HIV prevention, comprehensive sex ed, uh, Title X training that's lasted over a decade. She is a fellow University of Texas Longhorn graduate, uh, but, you know, just has had a tremendous impact on this issue. You know, when I think about former Planned Parenthood, I think about Abby Johnson and, and the impact she has made. But a lot of people don't realize that sex education is a big deal that Planned Parenthood is involved in. A lot of it is because of uh, money in government budget streams and funding that go along with it. Uh, Monica, tell us a little bit about your work and why it's been so important for you to be involved in this issue. Right. So, Jonathan, you're correct. I was working in that industry for over 10 years, started in HIV, was trained by Planned Parenthood on how to reach children with the message of comprehensive sex education. Really, it is to just encourage them to be sexually active. Um, and so basically, you know, over the years, I began to see the effects of comprehensive sex education on children in whole communities. I began to also listen carefully to what the teenagers were telling me during the time that we we're teaching them sex education. And I started to hear that they were really trying to communicate with me that there were certain things about sexual activity that they didn't like, but in, but they didn't know enough to say, maybe I just shouldn't do this. And so, you know, when I heard them telling me what they didn't like about sexual activity, they were actually asking me how to do it better. And so then one day I just said, have you ever considered just not being sexually active? And the kids literally said, no one has ever told us that we don't have to be sexually active. And for the next thing I know, these kids started talking about ways that they could avoid sex. I, I thought I lost control of the room because at the time I was still a comprehensive sex educator, but my heart was in the right place. I wanted these the best for these kids. And when they were telling me they didn't like something, I was like, well, don't do it. They spent the rest of the hour finding ways that they could avoid sex. They talked about playing sports with each other or watching free movies at their community center because they lived in low-income areas. And so that's when I started to realize that our message was so pro-sex and pro-abortion, and I started to question it. And Planned Parenthood... Uh, the organization that I was working with, all of my colleagues that basically I feel like I grew up with because I, I met them right out of college. And they were just wondering, what are you talking about? But I realized that this was a very pro-abortion, pro-sex message. And Jonathan, what's important to know about sex education and why it's so important to Planned Parenthood is that it is the vehicle that leads to abortion. It is like the marketing tool. So if you can change the way our younger generation thinks about sex and relationships and, uh, and encourage them to be involved in high-risk activities and then normalize that, normalize getting an STD, normalize getting pregnant, normalize having an abortion, well, then they have a customer for life. And all the while, 
they are convincing the children that the parents aren't going to understand. They're saying, yeah, your parents are probably going to be mad, so don't tell them. So they encourage secrets. So it's just amazing the the kind of work that they do um, and, and how they're able to really manipulate our young people into being involved in high-risk behavior and all the while separating them from their parents. Yeah, well, look, I mean, and, and I want to talk a little bit about your personal story, how you got to this point of being you know, involved with Planned Parenthood, some of your own faith conversion, all those things that, and I want to talk about those in just a minute, but I want to be, you know, really uh, step back for a second, because I haven't forgot what you said in that meeting that we had, I think it was at Great Hills Baptist Church um, Mm -hmm. several months ago, when I heard you make the point that in your experience and your work with children, so many of them were telling you they had never heard anyone tell them that they could just say no or, or not engage in, in sex at all. And it's interesting, you know, for several years, and we still use this sometimes too in some of our work, um, when the other side, if you will, or, or folks that were pushing comprehensive sex education or the Planned Parenthood types, we would call it drug-based sex education. Because when you think about what a lot of these groups push, it is relate. You got to have a prescription in some ways for many of these, you know, ways that you're supposed to avoid or not have some type of uh, sexually transmitted disease or infection. You got to get a prescription to get a patch or get something implanted. All those things are inducing chemicals and drugs into the bodies of children. And so we we were at a forum and I mentioned, I said, well, you know, look, this is drug-based sex education. And I remember one of the state legislators was furious. That was a supporter of it, uh, Donna Howard. And she came up to me afterwards, you know, and really uh, impressed on me to try to not use that phrase. But I mean, that's what we're talking about. These can be very dangerous type of things. And, and so just the concept for kids to know, I don't have to be involved in that at all. I, I, you know, that that is a healthy decision. Uh, And to us, I'm sure it seems so simple, but to a child that has grown up in in a lot of those environments and never really heard anyone say it, um, it can be quite striking. And so I remember you talking about that and and that just really drove home the the power and the value of information and making sure we're getting accurate information. Um, And so, and I know that's been a big part of why you've been involved in this issue against Austin ISD. Um, Let's step back for a second, though. Tell us a little bit about your history. I mean, you've got a a nonprofit that you run called It Takes a Family. But before you got to these points, I mean, to really work for Planned Parenthood and then now to be where you are uh, on these issues, um, it seems a lot of times there's some, you know, personal or spiritual conversion that goes along with that. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, It definitely was. Now, I grew up in a very traditional Mexican-American family from the Rio Grande Valley. Um, but we did not attend church. So I did not have a strong faith base. Then I ended up going to the University of Texas at Austin and unfortunately was very much indoctrinated by the culture there. Um, and But I went into HIV out of compassion. Um, I wanted to sure. do HIV pr- uh, prevention because I had relatives who had acquired that virus in the 80s and died very quickly. Um, and I never got to see those relatives because those relatives also identified as gay men. And so they were not part of our, you know, they just were they moved away. They went to California. They went somewhere where they could really live out their lifestyle. Um, and I had a real heart for that. And it was a huge issue in the 90s, you know, that, that there was this virus. Yeah. So I started volunteering at a local gay organization that focused on people of color. So 
Hispanics and African Americans. And I had never seen that kind of education. And I, and at the time, being young, wanting purpose, wanting to do something of great impact, I thought this was it. And I have to say that, you know, the education is helpful for an adult population that is at risk and involved in, in, in risk behaviors. I mean, this is a public health approach. But when we're talking about children, we should not be teaching children to engage in high-risk behaviors. We need to be asking them to avoid those behaviors, just like we tell them to avoid smoking and avoid drugs, then we should be telling them to avoid sexual behavior at a young age. Because even according to the CDC, sex at a young age is considered a high-risk behavior. So um, so anyway, but so I, as I was learning all of this, Planned Parenthood eventually asked me to come over. They were just across the street. They started teaching me how to talk to young children on sex. And they told me all these horror, horror stories of these young kids coming into the clinic. And I was, it, they were pretty graphic, as kids as young as 10. So I said, all right, teach me how to teach these kids not to have sex. That was my first reaction. Planned Parenthood said, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. That is very judging to tell children not to have sex. What we're going to do is teach them how to do it safer. Um, and so I fell for that. I thought that they convinced me that is the only way. And unfortunately, even many parents have been convinced that youth are going to have sex and there's nothing that we can do about it, um, which is why this type of education exists. So as the years went on, though, and as I started working more and more with teenagers, um, the truth is, Jonathan, is that at that time, I didn't have faith. Um, I believed in this education. I believed in the ideology behind it. I not only taught it, but I lived it. And I found myself with an unplanned pregnancy myself and immediately scheduled an abortion uh, because that's what you do in that mm. field. That is what they teach in comprehensive sex education. It's just an automatic um, but I had a good friend who had had an abortion in college, and she knew that that wasn't the best decision. And so she humanized my child before I even had a chance to go through with the appoint appointment. And when she started to humanize and help me to realize that my baby could have my skin color and my eyes and my personality and be a fierce little Latina, I started realizing this is a real baby. This is this is my child. It's not just I don't you know, it, somehow we just don't humanize that pregnancy. So I canceled that at abortion, and I now have a 20-year-old son. And so I wow. became a single mom, I, I, and I was a single mom for over nine years. And I do believe that that was a big part of my transformation. I became a mother. I immediately started to protect and love my child. I started to realize that I needed faith in my life, and I became a Christian. And when all of that happened, I started looking at the community that I was in, and I started thinking, if I want this for my son, why am I teaching this community's children to do something else. So all of a sudden, I think it's the fact that I was a mom, that I became a woman of faith, that I started to see things differently. And I started to question it. Uh, and then the more I questioned, the more I learned to the point that as I was training Planned Parenthood in Corpus Christi on Title X key concepts, we we're talking about human trafficking. And I was I knew that Planned Parenthood always they always told us that they knew young girls were coming in who were having sex with adult men and they would never report it because in their view, those girls want that and that it is normal and that they're not victims. And so I was coming in thinking, wow. I'm going to teach them that not only is it statutory rape, but now the federal government has said that this is a case of human trafficking. So it's now a federal offense. So I thought they're going to understand now. I'm going to help them to understand and they're going to start protecting these young girls. Well, they didn't. They laughed. I, I asked them, why do you think this is funny? Why are you not taking this seriously? They said, Monica, if she's not with this man this month, she'll be with another one next month. And every nurse in that conference agreed. 
They do not. They have a very distorted view of our children. That was the last straw for me. There was many, many stories that I share of, of, of how it led up to the time that I finally left. But that was the last straw. And well, I, I can knew. imagine we're talking with Monica Klein. If you we got a little a few more minutes left in our interview. But if you missed that, you want to rewind it later. Some really just fascinating information about her history, having worked for Planned Parenthood uh, in part in sex education and now um, out of that industry, out of that movement in uh, really um, being a part of the driving force behind us beating Austin ISD and their abortion-based sex education and seeing the light, if you will, to move it in a different direction, a 180 degree turn. Monica, let's talk about, so, so now you're, you're on the d- other side, so to speak, and, and you really, unfortunately, were in situations where you heard the truth from what Planned Parenthood is about, and, and that didn't leave you, and that put you in a position to say that it wasn't something that you could support. Now you're on our side, so to right. speak, and you've been a part of this big victory in Austin ISD. Tell us about your work on this issue in Austin ISD and why it's mattered so much to uh, to be a voice for people here locally, but also help stop what Austin ISD is doing. Well, I created It Takes a Family because one thing that Planned Parenthood always said at every conference that stood out to me is that parents are a barrier to service. And we hear that a mm. lot. We hear it in the transgender movement today. Par- let me, parents are a barrier to service. That's wow. right. That is a direct quote. And you hear it, Jonathan, in some of the policy in these new transgender laws where they're trying to um, remove the parent out of the picture so that they can give children hormones to change their gender, to yeah. believe that they're going to change. And some of the language in those bills that they're proposing is that parents are a barrier to the health care of their children. So we see that this ideology, Planned Parenthood, SECUS, Advocates for Youth, Texas Freedom Network, they are all in in this together and they believe that parents are the problem. Parents are uneducated. Parents are ill-equipped. Parents don't understand and parents are a barrier. So that is why we see that this form of education eliminates the parent. This is why we see Title X offers these services to girls as young as 12 without parental consent. That is not okay. Parents are the key. And that is why I created It Takes a Family, because I want to educate and empower parents to be the leading voice in their children's lives, but also lead in the community and through policy. Because once a bill, once comprehensive sex education is mandated in our state or anywhere in the nation, then parents have zero choice. It will be mandated and your children will learn it if they're going to public school. Well, that's been some of the mindset. A lot of people think that here, even in Texas even though the law in the state of Texas is that you can opt out. But a lot of people don't realize that. They're not sure where the form is or whatever. And that was one of the reasons we sent a letter to Austin ISD a week and a half ago or so asking them, would there be a way to opt out of sex education online now that kids are doing the distance learning? Uh, We announced at the beginning of the show, and you probably may have heard about it last week, Austin ISD has made a decision to cancel teaching of sex sex education. Man, uh, tough word for me today. Sex education, and maybe it should be, in 2020 in May, and that's when they were expected to teach it. And so you were part of this victory. It's not over. We got to figure out what's going to happen next school year. But goodness gracious, what a huge victory for parental rights, really for family values. And you were right there alongside us with some very 
you know, uh, just wild situations. Oh, I have to right. say at some point, a lot of hostility, but uh, I firmly believe it was worth it. Yes, it was. It was worth it. And we're really grateful. I know Kara Ayala with Concerned Parents of Texas and all the parents and grandparents involved, you know, when Texas Values got involved, it changed the game. It really helped us to it propel that movement even forward because we've been doing this for years, but we needed that extra support. And Texas Values really came through with that. Well, we appreciate you saying that, you know, <laughs> We do work across the state of Texas, but we live here in the Austin area. Our office is right by the Capitol downtown. Uh, uh, at least one member of our team um, has uh, lives in the Austin Independent School mm-hmm. District um, area. And so, but so many of our supporters do too. And a lot of times people think, you know, that we have this negative view of public schools. That's not true. We have concerns about the way public schools are run at time, and I think they're legitimate. But I grew up in public schools. My undergraduate school, like you, I was mentioning law school. I went to public schools um, all throughout. And so and that's where the large majority of students go. So we got to look out for those rights. But a huge victory against Austin ISD. And, and the point I wanted to make was sometimes the local battles are the toughest. For our organization, because we do a lot of work at the state capitol, we're involved in court cases, and so particularly Austin ISD. So you kind of think, man, do we really have a shot of winning? It's an uphill battle. But we dug in because people in our network and our support and where we live, it hit close to home, if not right at home. And so we decided, you know, what, even though it's Austin ISD, there is a reason to fight this fight and to win in Austin ISD. I think you tell me your opinion, and, and then um, and I'm going to do some a, a closeout segment. But if we can defeat radical sex education in Austin ISD, that should send a message to other school districts. Yes. They don't. They really don't have a chance of doing it there, and they shouldn't. It doesn't have a place in any school district in Texas. That's right. And we need to continue that fight, and we need to continue it. I mean, Jonathan, the fact that you have your pulse on policy is important because we're going to see it in mental health bills. We're going to see yeah. it in several types of bills. Um, this is not the only avenue that they want to do it in. It's not just this optional sex education in our schools, but it's also changing the TEKS and changing our textbooks. So we need to have our finger on that as well, many fingers on that. And it's going to take many organizations to be doing that. And at the same time, there are programs coming out of the CDC that are also affecting uh, public schools, like the whole school, whole community, whole child, where they want extended um, hours. They want children to be in school much longer. And when and really, the, the whole goal of comprehensive sex education is to be able to teach it in every subject. So whether there's a sex education course or not in the schools, because coming irrelevant because it'll be taught every day in every class in every possible manner. Yeah, as, as low down, if you will, or as early as kindergarten. I want to throw out the website, too, of kind of our coalition efforts with Monica Klein and Carol Ayala and so many great people that have been a part of this work. Standupforchildren-atx.com. I'll try to put it on the screen here. Standupforchildren-atx.com. Because there's more work to do. We've got a big event on May 19th. That's right. That we're going to be a part of a, a, a virtual sit-out, even though the, the curriculum's been canceled, we're told. I mean, I hope that continues to be true. But um, we're gonna. that event was already planned, May 19th. That's coming up. You can go to our website, txvalues.org, to find out more about it, standupforchildren-atx.com. Monica, thank you for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to that town hall meeting. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun. Before we wrap up, I've got a couple of minutes here. Can you see that behind me? That's kind of my TikTok three minutes left. A 
couple of other big issues I want to talk about, too, before we close out this segment of the Texas Values Report. And if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe so we can continue to update you or you can get updated when we put new videos together. But if you're on you, uh, excuse me, on Facebook, share this post before we finish. We need to continue to get more people connected. If you're seeing it on Twitter or wherever in social media, if you get it, you get emails from us, forward those on. But but let's try to get this um, some numbers up before we end this segment so more people can hear about it. I want to circle back around what I've started talking about. In case you didn't see it, the Attorney General of the state of Texas has put out update letters, warning letters against Travis County, against City of Austin, against City of San Antonio, Dallas County. All of those local governments have gone way too far and are putting out messages or orders or rules, however they're calling them, declarations that violate First Amendment rights of churches. It's sending the messages that the message that churches are not allowed to open because of coronavirus guidelines and restriction. That is not true. And the attorney general made that very clear in letters he sent out to some of those cities. In the city of San Antonio specifically, we sent that information. We sent information to the attorney general's office making that request because of concerns that people like you sent to us. I'm going to tell you, we've gotten probably some of the most highest level of activism that we've seen in some time. So thank you. Those emails you're sending us, those phone calls you're making, those comments, they are not unheard. We don't always get to all of them or some of these requests we're not able to do something about directly, but sometimes we are. And so a lot of our friends in San Antonio said, this is not right. Then we heard about things happening in Travis County and city of Austin. They were trying to put sexual orientation and gender identity policies into somehow being relevant to what churches would have to adopt. Really, you know, kind of a ban the Bible type of policy that they were going to force on churches in some of the ways that they operate. We know that violates the First Amendment, and they'd never get that passed at the state level. They tried to kind of push this in. So the attorney general spoke about that issue. Also, this suggestion or belief that the 25% capacity rule for phase one reopening for businesses applies to churches. That is not true. And that's left a lot of people just not churches saying, you know, maybe we should just not open at all. Churches from the beginning have been essential services. And I know there's a lot to navigate for some of this, but that's what the attorney general pointed out. So because they were essential services, they were not subjected to that capacity of 25% uh, restriction. And so, and look, some churches may decide to follow that and that's fine. But our point is to, to know that you're not required to do that by the government. Also, San Marcos ISD, while everyone was on lockdown in San Marcos, we found out just this week that they passed an LGBT sexual orientation and gender identity policy. We put something out about that yesterday. We're hoping to get some help on that. So check out our website. These are all just reasons of why we think you should invest in our work at Texas Values. We're coming up at the end of June on our fiscal year deadline. We got a lot of money we have to raise. I hate to say it um, because of the work and the increase in our demands, but we think we've been responsive to that. We hope you've seen value in the work that we've doing. We've been doing. We've had tremendous victories. Austin ISD is a key example. If you don't live in Austin ISD, it still is a victory that will help you wherever you're at in the state of Texas because you can tell people to take a look at what happened here. Go to our website, txvalues.org. Make a tax-deductible donation today for faith, family, and freedom. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.